Hi, my name is Rhett Barden, and I'm the lead pastor of One Life Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. At One Life Church, we exist to help you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. For more information on how you can be a part, please visit us online at olc.church. Enjoy the message. Good morning, One Life Church. It is so good to see you on this spring break weekend. Come on, everybody. Are you thankful for the warmer weather? Yeah, where's it at? Come on, man. Idaho is playing with us right now. Uh, I just want to thank every single one of you who decided to come out in that 19 mile an hour cut through your soul wind today. Uh, I think when I pulled up this morning, our flags are flying all over the place. So uh, anyhow, we're really glad that you're with us today. In fact, before we jump into the message, I want to look into the camera and I want to welcome our online church family. Come on, all those at the Civic Center, throw your hands together today. Let's welcome our online church family today. Let them know how much you love them. Yeah, we're glad no matter how you found us, you're here. We're thankful for that. And so over your cup of coffee today, we're just looking forward to jumping into God's word together today as we continue a series we're calling Voice of a Shepherd. We're in part three of that installment today. We are a message note-taking church, everybody, which means we love to take notes. Can I hear a good amen from all my note-takers in the room online? Give me some happy faces online. All right. Uh, So if you want to be a part of just kind of taking a next step and learning a little bit more, digesting it and following along and filling in blanks and maybe saving the notes as a PDF or emailing it to yourself, text OLC notes to 94,000. That's OLC notes to 94,000. That will show up directly on your phone. You can click a link and it's a lot of fun to follow along. All right, as we jump in today, the question that we've, let me, let me rephrase this. So as a pastor, one of the greatest questions that I'm asked most often is the question that we're trying to answer today and as we've been doing over the past couple of weeks. And that question that I get asked a lot is, how do I hear the voice of God? Like, I feel like God's speaking, but I'm not quite sure if it was the Chinese food that I had last night. Like, I'm not sure. I think it is God. I've got these voices. I've got these feelings. I've got these impromptu things going on in my mind and my thoughts. And I'd really love to know and be able to discern whether or not it's God or not. In fact, some people, even today, they, they have bought into the lie that they're like, you know, God is no longer speaking in America or he's no longer speaking in our lives. That was something Old Testament. And what we've discovered through the past couple of weeks is that we have a speaking God. God's word says that he is the same yesterday as he was today and he will be forevermore. My friends, third verse of the Bible, in God said, last book of the Bible, taking you from Old Testament to New Testament, seven times in the book of Revelation. It says, those who want to have a spirit to hear, let him hear what the voice of the Lord is saying. So God is speaking. It's not that he isn't speaking. He is. But the challenge is most of us, if we're being honest, we don't necessarily know how to discern or tune in to hear what God is saying. So we've been studying this theme verse that comes out of John chapter 10, verse three through four. And this is really where we got the title of the series, Voice of a shepherd is because Jesus loved to teach in metaphor. And he uses metaphor in this verse right here. And he refers to himself as a shepherd. And he refers to his followers, which are Christians, as sheep. And so this is what he says. He says, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him. That is the shepherd. And it says, and the sheep, that's you and I, we have this innate ability, which is to listen to his voice. So we have a speaking God, but not only is he speaking, the beautiful part of this rest of this verse is that it's personal. Look at this. He calls his own sheep by name. 
I love that. I love that description. So beautiful. He calls us by name. And as he calls us by name, he leads us out. Verse goes on to say, when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him. Why? Because they know his voice. Everybody say no. No, they know his voice. They are familiar with his voice. And so my job as a pastor, and honestly, my job as a friend, is to help us learn how to discern, to know, or to recognize God's voice speaking to us in our lives, in our marriage, in our homes. And one of the big thoughts that we've come to know throughout this series is that we've realized that God doesn't have a speaking problem. We're the ones that often have the hearing problem. See, God is always speaking. It's not a matter of if he's speaking. No, he is speaking. The matter is we're not often in tune with what he's saying. So if he's speaking and he is, and if most of us, including myself from time to time, have problems hearing what he's saying, then it probably would be a good thing to have a series like this from time to time to teach us how to learn, how to recognize God's voice in our lives. And so we've been taking this journey. Week one, we began the series with kind of like laying the foundation of preparing the soil uh, of our hearts because what we discovered in week one was that God is speaking, but oftentimes we can't hear because of the position of our hearts or the ground of the soil that is our hearts. And we discover that oftentimes a polluted heart or a distracted heart or an immature heart is a heart that has trouble hearing God's voice. And the goal of week one, if you missed it, I want to encourage you to go back, is to be good ground or good soil and to have a heart that is prepared to hear God's voice speak to us. Now, in week two last week, we really talked about why does God speak? And we discovered one of the main reasons he speaks is he honestly just wants to facilitate a friendship. He loves you so much. He just wants to be authentic and real and just get in your business and be just right up there with you as a really good friend. And then we discovered what it looks like. And oftentimes we're looking for the big, we're looking for the wind, you know, we're looking for the fire, we're looking for the mountaintop experience with God. And those do happen from time to time. But what we discovered last week is often how God speaks to us the most is through a still small voice, is through the whispers of God. And I gave you some not, a, not an exhaustive list, but I gave you a few ways that God might be whispering, I love you, I'm proud of you, you're my child, whispering encouragement, he whispers warnings, he whispers direction, he whispers dreams in our hearts to go and make a difference. So that's kind of the setup. And so where we are today is we're going to dive in a little bit deeper with how do we discern God's voice? Like how do we actually recognize the voice of of God. Like, how do we distinguish between the difference of what our theme verse talks about between God's voice, the shepherd, and the stranger's voice? Look at the rest of our theme verse, John 10, 5. It's like, when you come to recognize God's voice, look at this. It says, you and I will no longer, will never follow a stranger. In other words, when we begin to recognize God's voice, we're no longer going to tune into the competing voices that are in this world. In fact, we'll run away from the competing voices of a stranger. Because why? Because we do not recognize a stranger's voice. We don't recognize a stranger's voice. Now, strangers' voices can come to us in all types of say, uh, shapes and sizes and different ways. In fact, one came to me when I was 22 years old. I'd moved to Dallas-Fort Worth. I was full-time as a worship pastor at that time, living the dream, trying to just do everything I could to honor God in worship. And, you know, I was very young. I was very zealous. And oftentimes, I just had a lot of personality on the platform. And it was a lot of fun. And there was a well-meaning man in the church. He'd been 
been there for a while. And he came to me one day after church and said, I've got a word of God from you, for you. And I said, okay, what, what, what is that? And he said, God's telling me that you're going to be the pastor of this church and replace the current pastor in a matter of months. And I'm like, now with, with all the zeal that I had and all the, even with the immaturity, for some reason, God gave me a little bit of grace in that moment. And with all respect to this man, I said, sir, with all respect, I appreciate, you know, the, I believe the encouragement you're trying to give me, but you've missed God. That is not the voice of God. We have a pastor. His name is, he's an amazing man, and I'm here to serve him and the kingdom of God, not mine. This is not about me. And so oftentimes people have these great intentions. They mean well. In fact, maybe he, maybe he did hear from God. He just might have missed some of the details. Like maybe he heard, hey, one day this young man will become a pastor. And here we are today, right? But he missed the time frame. He wanted it in his own agenda and not God's agenda. And so, so oftentimes people mean well. They hear things. They say things. They call it God. And oftentimes they, they miss the mark. And in fact, not only does that happen in our today's life, like we can learn from this. You can look at Matthew 16. We're not going to reference it on the screen. But if you look at the life of Peter, Peter was a disciple of Jesus. Peter was like this outgoing, like, you know, just get out of my way. I'm going to make things happen, get them done, right? And so Jesus is hanging out with the disciples and he looks over at all of his disciples and he says, hey, who do you say that I am? And Peter steps up and says, you are the Messiah. You are the Christ. And Jesus says, yes, Peter, yes, you've heard the voice of God. That is indeed the truth for only God could have revealed that to you, Peter. So we see Peter being in tune with God in this moment. But what's interesting is in a matter of minutes after this, Jesus talks to his disciples and he begins to tell them about the, his death on the cross and what that was going to look like. And Peter heard a different voice at this time. And he said, no, Jesus, I don't think so. I'm never going to let that happen to you. In fact, you will not die. And Jesus turns to Peter, the one he just praised for hearing God's voice. Jesus turns to Peter in this moment and says, get thee behind me, Satan. So here we see in Peter's life, in this moment, like he heard from God minutes before and then minutes later, he has missed God. And the honest truth is this could happen to every single one of us, including you and me. And so what do we do? Well, we need the beauty of this verse, which is the beauty of this message that I'm bringing today, and that is look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. Dear friends, One Life Church, do not believe every spirit. In other words, just because you have a feeling, just because you have this thought, just because you have this impression, just because you have this prompting and you think that this is God, doesn't mean that you should trust every feeling, thought, emotion that you have. Notice this, what do we do? But test, everybody say test. But test the, notice the plurality here, the spirits, the spirits. In other words, God is speaking to us, but there are also other spirits other voices, other promptings, other thoughts that are going to constantly be trying to come into your mind and into your soul. So what do we do? We test the spirits for what? To see whether or not that voice, that prompting, that, that word, to see whether or not it is from God. 
Um, <laughs> this happened several years ago, but we had a woman on our team. This was in Alabama, not here at One Life Church. Uh, she served on our worship team, and she was an amazing vocalist. And one day it was brought to our attention through some leaders in our church, and they said that this woman had been having an affair with a married man in our church. And so we had met with this young lady, with the elders, and we had met with a man. And what was interesting is the voices that she was hearing. We sat down with her and with a straight face and with all sincerity, she said, Pastor, you don't understand. God told me that I'm going to marry this man. God told me that he's going to leave his wife and his kids and we're going to get married. You don't understand. We met with a man, same story. Pastor, you don't understand. God's called me to leave my wife and to leave my kids and to marry this young lady. And I'm saying on both ends of the spectrum, that was not the voice of God speaking to them. But yeah, but pastor, it feels good. Yeah, it might feel good. But what your feelings are doing right now is that your feelings are lying to you. You're listening to a different spirit that does not line up to God's word and God's truth. This is not God. You are missing God. And so long story short, the beautiful end of that picture is that man ended up being restored to his wife and kids and the woman ended up being restored, ended up marrying another incredible young man and God's blessing both their lives and this restoration and reconciliation happened and they just came out of the fog. They came out of the darkness and it took a process. It took people, but I'm just saying, I'm using that example to say oftentimes good people, we can kind of hear things we want to hear that don't align to what is the voice of God. And this is where Proverbs 14, 12 comes along and reminds us, my friends, there is a way that appears to be right. There's a way that looks right. Like it looks good, man. It feels good. It sounds good. I mean, like it, it, it makes sense. But in the end, it leads to death. It leads to death. And I don't want you in a position of death. I want you in a position of life. So what do we do? Well, let's look back at 1 John 4, 1. Again, this is the, you know, the thesis and the, really the rock that builds today's message. And that is we've got to learn how to test the spirits. In other words, we've got to have a system. We've got to have a filter set in place in our lives to see whether or not what we're hearing, what we're feeling, these promptings, these voices are from God or not. And so with that said, today, I'm going to give you four tests that if you'll put these in your lives, four systems, four basic questions to ask yourself to filter through whether or not the voices, the promptings, the feelings, the emotions, or the voices that you might be thinking are God, like I need to give you some tests to test the spirit to see whether or not they are indeed from God. And this is very practical, and I'm just trying to give you some practical things that you can live out in your family, in your marriage, in your business, and these will not fail you. You can do one of these on their own, and it will work, but they're, all, they're so much better altogether in the whole context of this system. So number one, what's the first question? Write this down if you're taking notes. When it comes to testing the spirit or the voices or the impressions or the impromptu things that you're hearing, number one, ask yourself this. Make this the test or the filter. Does it line up with the Bible? Does it line up with God's word? My friends and family, God's voice will never contradict his word. It will never contradict his word. God will never speak something that isn't in the Bible. 
And so when it comes to recognizing his voice, we've got to learn to, to what the word says and we've got to come back into alignment. Like what does the Bible actually say and why is this important? It's because of Hebrews 4.12. Look at this as a great reminder of God's word to us. For the word of God is alive. It's living, it's active, it's sharper than any double-edged sword. The word of God penetrates even to dividing our soul and spirit, right? Joints and marrow, it judges. In other words, it's able to discern the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. In other words, the word of God tests the spirits or the voices or the competing voices of a stranger up against what God is actually saying. It's a test. It's a filter. It helps us discern. 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17 says this about God's word. All scripture. That's Old Testament and New Testament, by the way. This is all scripture. It is God breathed. When you speak, what comes out when you speak? Your, your breath. And so every word of God spoken, inspired by the Holy Spirit, penned by men, but inspired by God, every breath of God is the voice of God. And it's useful. Here's where it's useful. It's useful for teaching us, correcting us, rebuking us, and training us in righteousness. Why? So that you and I, the servant of God, the followers of Christ, may be thoroughly equipped. In other words, that we might be fully complete and capable to listen and to recognize God's voice in every good work, in every good thing. And, and just so, when it comes to, lining, to seeing if things line up according to the Bible, I just want to make this statement. My friends, you can't sound bite the Bible. Do you know what a soundbite is? Like the media does this all the time. Like they'll take one sentence out of like a complete context that might've been a 30 minute speech of maybe a president or maybe a leader. They'll take one sentence, they'll take it out of context and they'll manipulate that sentence to say what they want it to say to fit the narrative of the story that they're trying to say or to try to spin it. This is what the media does all the time. And I'm saying many of us, we love to soundbite the Bible. We like to take things out of context to make it fit what we want it to say so that we can do what we want to do. And we take it out of the context. In fact, the devil himself was great at this. I don't have the scriptures up here, but if you're an extra note taker, you can write Matthew chapter four and Luke chapter four down where you see Jesus in the wilderness being tempted before Jesus starts his ministry for 40 days and 40 nights. The devil comes to him and the devil tempts him in the desert. And what he does in the temptation is he takes scripture out of context. And I think it just proves how stupid the devil is, by the way. He is tempting the word of God with the word of God. Come on, somebody like that doesn't work. All right. And so Jesus says, you know, in his own roundabout way, like that's not what scripture says. Like you're taking it out of context. And Jesus replies with other scripture, the whole counsel of God, bringing things into context and proving that, hey, yes, yeah, this is what God's word says in whole context. We call it in Bible study, whole counsel of God. In other words, we can't just soundbite something that sounds good. We've got to look at the whole context in which it was written from Old Testament and look at the character and nature of God throughout the history from Old Testament to New Testament. We've got to bring everything when we're trying to see whether or not God is speaking to us. We've got to see if it lines up according to God's word, not just a soundbite of God's word. Y'all following me this morning? Amen. So we need to test the spirits to see whether or not they're from God. We do that, number one, by seeing does it line up with the Bible? Number two, here's another filter or a test that will serve you well, and that is, will it make me more like Christ? Like if I lean into this voice 
if I lean into this thought, if I follow through with what I'm hearing, if I follow through with that glance, if I follow through with that thought, if I follow through with that substance, putting it in my body, if I follow through with that business deal, if I follow through with that business partnership, if I follow through with what looks good and feels good, if I follow through with that, whatever it is, will that make me more like Jesus? Will that glorify God? Does it line up into his word? But more than that, does it also glorify his son and make me more like Christ? And so when it comes to these voices and these thoughts, what do we do? Second Corinthians 10.5 reminds us, we have to take captive every thought, every voice, every impression, every feeling. We take captive these thoughts and what do we do? We make it obedient to Christ. In other words, we ask the question, does this line up with God's word and does this make me more like Jesus? This is what we're doing. Why are we doing that? Because Philippians 2.5 and so does the New Testament, it reminds us that in our lives we must think our thoughts We must think and we must act like who? Like ourselves? No, like the world? No, but like Christ Jesus. This is for Christians, everybody. These are for followers of Christ. This is the advice the gospel is teaching us. So here's a great question to ask when you're, you know, feeling a thought or an impromptu feeling or a word or whatever it might be. A great question to ask is what would Jesus do? Come on, anybody raised in the 90s, you're going to remember the WWJD bracelet, right? I know it's outdated, but it's a great question that brings a lot of clarity to us. Like, what would Jesus do in this situation? And if we're honest and we're truthful, many of us, we're not quite sure because many of us don't know. And so a great place to just read about Jesus are the four gospels. In other words, it's the good news stories about Jesus Christ. It's in the New Testament. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You can see a lot of examples there. But let me just give you something from the New Testament. James chapter 3, verse 17 through 18. This is a beautiful place to kind of filter some things if it's going to make you more like Christ. Because the wisdom, James says, that comes from heaven, or in the context of what we're talking about today, the voices, the promptu, the thoughts, the feelings, right, that come from God, the voices that come from heaven, what is it? Well, it's first of all, pure. So time out. If the thought that you have, if you follow through on that thought, does it make you pure? This is a good filter. This is, these are good filters. Does it make me peace-loving? Like if I follow through with that voice of God that I'm kind of filtering out, does, does it make me more considerate? Does it make me submissive? Like will my actions in my life be full of mercy? Will my actions in my life be full of good fruit? By the way, good fruit glorifies God and uplifts and encourages and edifies everyone. It doesn't divide. Okay, good fruit Is it impartial and sincere? Like these are the filters. Like if I'm hearing something and I go through with it, does it make me more like these characteristics that that we're reading right here in scripture? And there are so many more. This is not an exhaustive list. Again, that's why I would encourage you to go back and read the gospels because what you'll ultimately see is God says the greatest of all things is to love God and to love your neighbor as you love yourself. It's kind of where it all kind of boils down to. But we're talking about recognizing God's voice. So creating some filters, some systems, some processes to test the spirit of whether or not 
this is God or not, or the Chinese food or the pizza, right? So does it line up with the Bible? Will it make me more like Jesus? And then here's the third question or filter or test, and that is, does godly counsel agree? Key word here, agree. It's important. I just want you to know before I make any decision, I'm always looking for godly counsel. And not only godly counsel, I'm looking for agreement. Why? Because scripture teaches us that there is power in agreement. There is safety in agreement. I need you to understand, yes, I'm a pastor and I stand up here on this platform two feet above it, but I'm in authority, but I'm under authority. What does that mean? It means I have pastors in my life who speak to me, who help me, who, who, you know, who call out blind spots in my life as well. And so there are my my overseers and I've got other men and and even uh, older women in my life who are godly and have gone the distance to help me see things and to help me grow. And every major decision that I've ever made for our church, every major decision I've ever made really honestly for my family and for us and for myself, I'm not just out there just running some rogue race. No, I've got godly men and women in my life that I seek counsel from and I'm asking, hey, what do you think? And oftentimes... I don't get what I want to hear. I get, hey, I just think it's time for you to wait on that. And then when the majority weighs in, they're like, yeah, I mean, that's good. It might not be for now. It might be for later. It's time to wait on this. Oftentimes, like, hey, man, that's, that's great. In fact, we kind of like, you know, a, a, a Christianese phrase where we bear witness. Like, we just all kind of feel in our spirit, like, this, this makes sense for the moment. This makes sense for the now. And, and this is going to be good for everybody. And so these are things, like, so there's times to wait. There's times to move. At the end of the day, I'm just trying to say I'm always seeking godly counsel, but not just godly counsel. I have ears to hear, and I lean in, and I listen. I've just determined that I'm not making decisions by myself. I'm not making decisions by myself. I'm going to test the spirits. I'm going to test the voices. I'm going to test the thoughts. I'm going to test the different perspectives that go in from this year and this year and kind of hang out once in a while. How do I do that? Well, I'm going to see if it lines up in the Bible. I'm going to see if it makes me more like Jesus. And I'm going to seek godly counsel and I'm going to seek agreement in the godly counsel. Now, you're not amening me, but that's a great place. This is good preaching, everybody. This is save your life. It has saved you from a lot of hurt and turmoil down the road. I promise you that. And this is good. And so Proverbs 12, 15 says this. Listen, the way of fools, I mean, it seems right. Like it seems right to them. But the wise, who I want to be and who I would encourage all of us to be, the wise, they seek godly counsel. But they not only seek it, they, they listen to advice. And we know that, you know, they listen, they can't listen unless they're seeking, right? So there's this seeking and listening dynamic happening. Proverbs 19, 20, there's so many verses on this. I'm just give you a few uh, through 21. Listen to advice and accept, and here's the hard part, accept the discipline. I'm like, this is where we want to tune out. Like, we don't like this word, right? You don't tell me what to do. God's spoken to me and I don't need all y'all to tell me what's up. God said, so I'm going to do. But God says, no, no, you need to listen to the advice and accept the discipline that comes from it. My friends, if you come under the authority and you come under the safety of just godly counsel and there's agreement there and you come under the even the discipline and the correction that it provides, look at the beauty of the verse. At the end, it might sting a little bit, but at the end, you will be counted among the wise. Now, you'll be counted among those who look like Jesus, who will bear much fruit and who will bear unity in all things that they do. Here's one more. Proverbs 24, 6. 
surely, I love this, it's like, uh, like, like, I'm just gonna tell you, like, surely you need some guidance to wage war. And victory, if you wanna win in life, victory is one, not all isolated. No, it's one with many advisors. Now, by the way, let me bring this into context. Many advisors doesn't mean that you go out and just find as many people that you can and just find the ones that agree with you which is really easy to do with social media these days, isn't it? I'm just gonna find whoever I wanna hear, oh yeah, I like what they're saying. Yeah, that agrees with my spirit. I'm going with that, right? No, that's not what this is saying. You know, I have people come to me often and say, Pastor, I need some wisdom. I I really like to know your thoughts (laughs) on this. And I'm like, you really don't need to know my thoughts. You really need to know what God's word says. So then I just say, this is what God's word says. And this is what's gonna make you more like Jesus, And oftentimes people are frustrated with me because that's not the answer that they want. They think it is, but it's not. They were looking for something of some kind of justification for their actions of what they wanted to do. And it's kind of like being the man who woke up early every morning and he prayed to God, God, if you would like for me to go play golf today, would you just cause the sun to rise? (laughs) Of course the sun's gonna rise, but that doesn't mean Jesus or God is saying for you to go play golf, right? So some of us do this with God, don't we? We put ourselves in a position to try to find people to say what we want them to say so that it makes us feel better that we can do what we want to do. We take things out of context because we just want it to fit the narrative that we're trying to create in our own story. And, and, so, and so it leads us in bad places. And as a friend, I'm just trying to lead us toward life. And so what I've learned is that if after seeking God's word and filtering it through that lens and then filtering it through, does this make me more like Jesus? And then filtering it through, what is godly counsel and those I really look to and have leaned and learned into for years of my life? And what do they say and how can they help me? If there's no agreement, guess what I do for that decision in that moment? I stop. I don't pursue it any longer. I just stop and I'm saying that is wisdom. This is how you recognize the voice of God compared to the voice of a stranger. Does it line up with God's word? Does it make us more like Jesus? Have I taken this step to see if this, you know, godly counsel would agree with this? And here's the last one. And that is, do I have peace? Do I have peace? Like if I, if I follow through with this, Am I going to experience peace? One of the most beautiful things about Christianity that goes above all other little G gods and all other religions is that with Christianity, through God and his son Jesus, the Bible teaches us that he died on the cross to pay for our sins. Then he, uh, then he rose again, right? And then as he rose again, he was on earth for like 40 days saying, hey, you guys, it's going to be better that I just don't hang out here, but that I go and I ascend to the Father and I sit at his right hand and that I send you the promised Holy Spirit, And so the Holy Spirit, when you hear a Christian saying, like, Jesus is in my heart, well, Jesus in in your heart, Jesus at the right hand of the Father, it's the Holy Spirit that he sent that represents Christ because all three are one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so as a Christian, the beauty is that his spirit lives within us. And if his spirit of the Holy Spirit lives within us, guess what? That means when he's speaking to us, he's speaking right into our soul. And he speaks, not only whispers, but those whispers provide Peace, peace. Everybody say peace, peace. Something we all need. And so John 14, 27 says this, and this is Jesus speaking. He's going, guys, peace I leave with you. It's my peace that I give you. And I don't give 
as the world gives. Like there is nothing in this world that compares to the peace that God has for you. No pill, no bottle, no nothing. Nothing in this world is ever going to compare to the peace that God puts in you through his Holy Spirit. And so this is why he says, listen, don't let your hearts, don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So what is he saying? He's saying, listen, I recognize that some of you are going to hear some voices. You're going to have some impressions. And those voices and impressions you're going to think are me, but they're really a voice of a stranger. And the way that you're going to be able to discern it is whether or not you're going to be confused, feel fearful, be afraid, or feel like you're in some kind of trouble. Because the voices and impressions that are troubling you and that are confusing you are not from God. And God's saying, listen, I am not the author of confusion. I'm the God of peace. Look at this, 1 Corinthians 14, God is not the author of confusion. If you got a voice in your head or a thought or impression and it's causing you to freak out, that voice is not from God. It's just not. God's not the author of confusion. No, but he is the God of peace, but a peace. So if you're here today and you're feeling with trouble or confusion or depression or any kind of thing that's got you off kilter, God would say this in Philippians 4, 6 through 7. And I'm not saying it's easy, but this is God's word. He doesn't want you to be anxious about anything, but rather in every situation, not just at church, but in your marriage, in your family, in your finances, in your health, like in every area, every relationship, God wants you by prayer, which is conversation, and petition, which is just this repetition. God, I'm going to come to you, and I'm going to spend time with you, not just in this moment, but throughout the day, and not just today, but like every day. I'm going to have this conversation with you with, and here's the key ingredient, thanksgiving. In other words, I'm going to have a heart that says, you know, God, I'm just thankful Like, although I don't understand, and although I might not agree, and all that discipline might be hard, Lord, I'm going to keep talking to you, and I'm going to keep bringing this to you, and I'm just going to have a heart that says, God, I just trust you, and I'm thankful that you have what's best in store for me. I'm going to present my request to God, and then you know the rest of the verse. Look at what happens. Look at this. And the peace, the voice of God, the peace of God, which transcends all your understanding, will surround you will protect you, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And this is the hope that I have as your friend today, is that you experience the peace that surrounds you, that guards you, that is the voice of God. It's the voice of a shepherd. And my hope today is you're saying, Pastor Rad, I want this dynamic in my life. I want this. Like, what do I need to do? Well, write this down if you're taking notes. Simple. We need to position ourselves to listen to God's word every day. I need to position myself to listen to God's word every day. In other words, it's not just a Sunday thing. So I need to be able to slow down, create some margin in my life. I need to make room for the voice of God to be able to speak to me. And oftentimes this whole idea of slowing down and creating margin goes against everything American, right? It's like, go, 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 do, 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 right? It God saying, no, that's not how I show up, man. I show up when there's margin. Now, I'm always there, but if you really want to lean in and hear, you need to create some space. Like, make time. Put me on your calendar. And the best way to hear God's voice is simple. It's just, it's God's word. It's God's word. Listen, the goal of reading the Bible isn't checking a box. The goal of reading the Bible is to hear God's voice. 
And you don't have to read 10, cha- uh, 10 chapters or 10 verses to hear his voice. The way I like to say it is, if I go a day without reading God's word, that's like going a day without hearing his voice. And I cannot live without hearing the voice of God. And so every morning, you've heard me say this, every morning the first thing I do is when I open up my phone, the very first app that I open is the YouVersion Bible app. I did it this morning. It's how I hear the very words of God. In this morning, Isaiah 55, verse eight, this is what God spoke to me and would speak to you. So my thoughts are not like your thoughts, says the Lord. Hmm. My ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. God's voice. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, Rhett. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And when I read that, I was like, that's the God's, God's voice speaking to me. It just is. Like, I didn't need to read like 10 chapters. I didn't have to read a whole book of the Bible. I just took five seconds and I read one verse. And in that one verse, God just said, hey, basically, this is how I took it this morning. Is listen, I know you don't understand all things, but I've got you. Like, I'm working things in your favor, on your behalf, for the church and for your family. Like, in every way, I've got you. <laughs> my thoughts go way beyond your human mentality, way thinking. Like, my ways are higher. Okay, and this is what God said. This is how it plays out in your life. And if you want to read more than that, I would just encourage you, if you're having trouble like learning how to read the Bible, start again with the Gospels, the four first four books of the New Testament. They're all about Jesus. The words in black are like narrative. The words in red are actually the words that Jesus spoke. They're highlighted in red for a reason, say, to kind of differentiate and to let you see that these were Jesus Christ's words. So we're going to slow down. We're going to create margin and we're going to become familiar with God's voice. Think about it like this. Um, How do you become familiar with the voice of somebody you're doing life with? Think about it. Like if my wife called you on your cell phone, okay, and you picked up and you didn't have her number on speed dial and you just heard her say, hey, guess what most of you in this room are going to go do? You're going to be like, "Uh, who is this? right? Why? Because you do not recognize her voice. Why? Because you don't talk on the phone with her every single day. Now, when my wife calls, regardless if I see her name on speed dial and she says, hey, guess what my response is? How you doing? (laughs) Right? Yeah. What's up? Because I know her voice. I've positioned myself over 16 years to invest time into hearing her voice. But it wasn't always the case. In fact, when we were dating in my late 20s, when we were dating before we got married, her and her sister would play games on me. Anybody ever do that when I have sisters? I call her, and this is back before iPhones existed on Hard to Believe, right? And I called her, I'm like, what's, what's up? And she's like, hey, how you doing? I'm good. I'm thinking I'm talking to Linda, but I'm talking to her sister. Because I, I couldn't recognize Linda's voice. They sounded very familiar, Right? And so oftentimes before I got a little too deep, and you know what I'm saying, right? Like, I was like, ah, ha, ha, this is Terry. I'm just kidding. I'll get Linda. I'm like, oh, Terry, seriously, why are you doing this to me? Right? But the more we dated, the more we got to know each other, the more we talked on the phone. When somebody would say, hey, I'm like, hey, Terry, I know it's you. Put Linda on the phone. <laughs> right? And all I'm trying to say is when it comes to hearing God's voice in your life, pastors don't have like this express card to get you there, right? There's nothing different. The only only difference between you and I is that I'm on a platform two feet ahead. Like I'm right there in humanity with you, okay? So my ears aren't any better than your ears. 
Those who hear the voice of God create margin, create space, and invest time and put themselves in positions to listen to God every day, even if it's just you version Bible app, the very first Bible, you know, you hit the one-year Bible thing or, or the button there that says word of the day or verse of the day. Is this helping anybody today? So we're going to position ourselves to listen to his word every day. Second thing when it comes to recognizing his voice, and it's very practical, is that we need to set our hearts to hear God's voice. We need to set my heart to hear God's voice. And so here's the question. How do we do that? How, 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 do, we, how do we do that? Well, the nutshell is we've got to learn how to shut down the voices of the world. We've got to learn how to shut down the voices that oppose God. I had somebody tell me the other day, hey, Pastor Matt, man, I can watch R-rated movies and like, I'm okay with a little bit of nudity is what this young man said. Like, it doesn't bother me at all. In fact, I can hear like language and I'm good. I can still live my life and make a difference. And I'm like, man, that's like saying you can walk through a pile of manure and like not get it on your shoe and not smell it. Now, I know that's a gross visual, but it's the same thing. Some of us are going, why doesn't God speak to me? Remember, we've set the tone. God doesn't have a speaking problem. We're the ones with a hearing problem. And going back to week one, oftentimes we can't hear God's voice because we haven't set our heart in a position or we haven't prepared our hearts to hear his voice. See, the hearing problem that many of us have come from a deeper root. And sometimes it's really deep and we got to get in there and we got to allow the Holy Spirit and God to do a work that helps us find freedom. So how do we do that? Like, what does that look like? Well, it looks like Psalm 139, 23 through 24, where David said, search me. He gave God permission. See, God will never force himself on you. He's a gentleman. Yeah, he's always speaking. We're not always listening, but he will never force his voice on you. We have to set our hearts, position ourselves to hear. And we've got to give him permission like this. Search me, oh God. Know my heart. Test me. Whoo. It looks good on paper, doesn't it? But like sometimes it's like, I don't know if I want to get this real with God. I don't know if I want to get this vulnerable with God. Search me. Know me. Test me. Know my thoughts, my anxious thoughts. And point out anything in me, oh God, that offends you. And when he does, and he will, just simply ask God to forgive you. Scripture teaches us to repent. That's just asking God for forgiveness. Turn to God so that times of refreshing may come so that you can begin to hear the voice of God speaking to you in the most intimate ways that lead your life, your marriage, your home, your finances, every decision in places of fulfillment and blessing. It's a beautiful thing. And that's why I say when he does, also say, God, lead me along the path of everlasting life. So my prayers are based on like, God, I don't want anything to stand before me and you. And if there is, God, I'm, I'm giving you permission to point it out of my life and to remove it. Because, God, my relationship with you and me hearing your voice is so much more important than the things that I've allowed in my heart to be polluted there to keep me from hearing what you're saying. I can't go a day without it. And so, God, I would rather go through a little bit of discipline, search me, know me, test me, try me, point this thing out so that I can move forward and walk in the blessing and fulfillment that God has for my life, that God has for your life. This is just what it looks like, everybody. It's just this real authentic vulnerability of giving God permission of, 
allowing him to lead you on a path. Notice it's a path. Everything you read is a path. It's never like this like highway, right? This is a path. And paths can be a little crooked sometimes, right? But every, there's always, we take steps with paths. We take steps. So all I would say is this, is as your heart becomes clear and God begins to set you free and begins to remove the sin, the guilt, the shame, and the pain, and the things that have just gotten away from you being able to discern God's voice clearly, you're positioning your heart. You're listening to his word. You're setting your heart. It's in a clear place. My encouragement is as you're listening to his voice, he will speak to you in those whispers we talked about last week. My encouragement is this. Write this down. And that is to take the step toward what God is speaking to you. Take the step toward the path of everlasting life to what he's speaking to you. It's a step. It's not a leap. It's not a run. Like it's not a sprint. It is a step. One foot in front of the other. Take a step. John 10, 27, we'll close with this verse. Jesus says, my sheep, my church, my friends, One Life Church, family and friends, they listen to my voice. I know them. Why? Because there's a relationship with God through Jesus. And they, here's the point, they take a step. They take a step and they follow me. And this is what I want for your life. I want you to lead a life of hearing God's voice. I don't want you just to lead a life to hear his voice, but I want you to lead a life in taking steps in what he's speaking to you. And on that path, it always leads to everlasting life. My sheep know my voice and they follow me. Will you bow your head and close your eyes? Nobody looking around. We'll be here just another few moments as we close our service. God, I just want to thank you so much for your presence in this room today. You are a good father and you are faithful. Thank you for this word that we're receiving today. You're speaking to us on so many different levels. And God, it is our heart's desire that, Lord, we position ourselves to listen and that we set our hearts, God, to hear and that we begin to take steps toward what you're speaking in us. And I believe right now, God, you're speaking in so many different ways to every person in this room. And as you're speaking to them, God, I just pray that they're encouraged today. But I know today, my friends and family in this room, with every head bowed and every eye closed, one thing that God is speaking today, he's speaking to some of you who used to have a relationship with him and you've walked away. Your heart's become polluted, distracted, and, and just different things. And you've walked away and you found yourself with shame and guilt and you feel like when you pray it's like your prayers just hit the ceiling and some of you in this room you're in a position where you you're like hey man I, I just want to hear God's voice I've never even began a relationship with God like what does that even look like so wherever you are on the journey whether you once did you walked away or you never have today is a great opportunity to begin a relationship with God again or to come home that's the way I would like to say it God loves you the guilt, the shame, the pain, the thing that has brought separation is just one word. It's sin. Sin does that. It separates us. It separates us and our families here on earth. Oftentimes it can bring hurt. But more than that, it separates us from the relationship God wants us to have in our spirits with him. Now, God made a plan. His plan was his son, Jesus. There always had to be a payment for sin. God knew this. He didn't want you and I to make that payment. 
He chose to make that payment for us by giving us his best through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came as the son of God, fully God, fully man, to come to earth to exemplify the love of the father to us, to lay down his life so we didn't have to, to die on a cross to pay for our sins. He died, but guess what? Death, hell, and the grave couldn't hold him down. He rose again. He hung out for 40 days to prove this existed. It was written down in the history books. He ascended to heaven. He sits at the right hand of the father, awaiting the day to come back and to take Take us home. But he's waiting. Why? Because he's patient. He wants to give you and I every opportunity to come back into a relationship with God. We do that through professing faith and trust in God's son, Jesus. And you have that opportunity today. And if you would like to declare or maybe come into this relationship, it is not about the words that you pray. It is just about a heart that is sincere. And I would love to lead you in a simple prayer. In fact, we are a church family and as families, we pray together. And so I want us all just to say this prayer together. And I just want you to know If you're saying this for the very first time, just mean it with all of your heart. Come on, say a prayer like this. Say, God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for wanting to have a relationship with me. Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God, that you died on a cross to pay for my sins, to bring me life, to bring me into a relationship with God. I believe and I receive the gift of salvation today. Forgive me. Change me. Come live on the inside of me. I surrender my life to you because you surrendered your life for me. I give you my best. I give you my all starting today in Jesus name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Can we celebrate today with those who made a decision to follow Jesus? Maybe say that prayer for the first time. Come on. Yes.